Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is January the 21st, 2021. I thank you for joining me uh, so we can catch up on the lunacy of the last uh, week. And boy, oh boy, it just seems, it just seems as though there is never an end to lunacy. Uh, But here we are. Um, I want to start out by once again talking about the ghost flights. And we're going to go from that into a broad spectrum of issues. I've been talking about these so-called ghost flights for, I guess, it's the last two weeks, so this will be the third week. Uh, The ghost flights, for those of you not familiar with them, were airline flights that were arranged by the Biden administration to disperse illegal aliens across the country. Um, You know, the administration may claim that they processed them. They gave them dates of where and when to appear, perhaps knowing full well they're not going to. Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of DHS, who does not believe in borders, does not believe in denying visas, believes that America, I guess, should embrace anybody and everybody who comes to America, whether they're criminals, terrorists, uh, perhaps have dangerous diseases. Really, uh, the mastermind of anarchy within the immigration system. And so we continue to witness what I would think, if anyone else did, would constitute a felony under the Immigration and Nationality Act, specifically Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1324, that deems that it is a felony if you aid, abet, encourage, induce, harbor, or shield illegal aliens sent to the United States or convince them to remain here thereafter and or uh, transport them. Well, we're transporting them, and it's being done in the dead of night. I've talked about it before. I don't want to be repetitive. But it's amazing that Jen Psaki, the president's press secretary, engaged in an argument with Fox News correspondent Ducey over this a couple of months ago when he referred to the flights as, you know, being carried out in the middle of the night. She said, no, 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 no. 2.30 in the morning isn't the middle of the night. It's early morning. It was incredible. There's an arrogance and a sarcasm um, and a condescension. It it amazes me. Now, I understand that her job is to try to put a positive spin on the garbage that's coming out of the White House. That's what they do. They're they're spinmeisters. If you look at her background, all she's ever been is a public relations person. Well, that's a heck of a background. It's just like when people get on TV and they say political, political consultant. What's the requirement to be a political consultant? If someone's a medical doctor or a physicist or a federal agent or or a general in the Army, we know what their background is. They have training. They have experience. What in blazes do you need to do in order to qualify as a political consultant? It's wild. And these folks get airtime, and we take them seriously. At least many Americans do. I don't. Because I see through this nonsense, you could smell the stench clear across the country, but they do a hell of a lot of damage. 
So instead of accepting the fact that what the Biden administration is doing is, I would argue, irrevocably, irrevocably undermining national security, public safety, public health, and jobs and wages of Americans, um, Ms. Jinsaki gets into this semantic debate over whether or not the time of arrival is early morning or middle of the night. It doesn't get worse than that. But it doesn't get worse because the government, at least our government, was supposed to be, as Abraham Lincoln so eloquently said, was supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Well, it probably still is. The only question, uh, to borrow her sarcasm and snottiness, is which people? Certainly not the American people, because no one ever seems to ask the Biden administration, or any other politician for that matter, how will your policies be good for the average American family or for America. Good for Americans that hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens are being escorted into the United States where they're getting lost across the country. We don't know if they have COVID, even while the administration does everything possible to demand vaccinations and demand masking and demanding all kinds of stuff when we're bringing in people that may well be suffering from COVID or other dangerous communicable diseases, which, by the way, is a violation of Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, that deems aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases and or have not been vaccinated for certain diseases shall be excluded from the United States. So how is that good for Americans? How happy are you that people are coming into America suffering from covid or other diseases for which perhaps there's no uh, effective treatment, that, you know, um, resistant tuberculosis. We can go down a whole laundry list of diseases. How is it in America's best interest that we flood America with people who may well be fugitives from justice or have serious criminal histories or suffer from mental illness or be sexual deviants or be prior deportees who were deported from the United States or moved from the United States because of criminal convictions? I find it remarkable that the news media will talk about how many people have been found on the terror watch list. Last month, three people on the terror watch list were caught trying to sneak in. Well, that's certainly significant, but most terrorists, I hate to tell you, aren't on any watch list. That's what sleeper agents are. Most of the 19 hijackers who attacked us so viciously and so devastatingly on 9-11 weren't on watch lists. This is why you're supposed to conduct investigations. This is why we're supposed to have a handle on who's here. We're supposed to create a registry for those people who enter. So you have people running the border with no documents. What is your name? Well, you know, I used to joke and say that you could tell a good guy from a bad guy by watching what they do when they wake up in the morning. It's true. A good guy gets up and he rummages through his stuff and he tries to figure out, well, what am I going to wear today? bad guy gets up and he rummages through his stuff and says, well, who do I want to be today? As he, you know, flips through 15 sets of fake ID. Undocumented means no ID. You cannot tell a good guy from a bad guy without a scorecard. Undocumented, no scorecard. So how is that good news? How is it good news that since the Obama unaccompanied minor program, exacerbated and accelerated by the Biden administration has enabled thousands of violent gang members to easily enter the United States, not just MS-13, but certainly their 
high on that list because gangs can be found in countries throughout the world. Criminality is not a trait of a specific race, religion, or nationality. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity has what I call the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's called human nature. So how is it good news that we are allowing people into the country who sell drugs, who engage in murder, extortion, bank robbery, arson, rape? You would think that the number one priority that any political leader would have would be to protect the safety of the people who live within their jurisdictions. You would think. But nobody challenges the Biden administration. And then they use the deceptive term immigrant to describe illegal aliens. I'm going to go back to this. Words matter. Orwell knew that. The term alien is not a nasty word. It's not a pejorative. It's not an insult. Legally, it simply means any person not a citizen or national of the United States. It's like saying Bob is my friend, but he's not a member of my family. He's not a relative. That's all it means. It's a statement of fact. But the, the radical Democrats, the radical administration, is trying to expunge the word alien from all of our immigration laws. Everyone's going to be an immigrant. Everyone's going to be maybe a non-citizen because they think alien sounds terrible. No, it doesn't sound terrible. It provides clarity to the conversation. And the last time that these characters want, they don't want clarity. It's just that simple. The last thing that they want is to have clarity because they are con artists. And therein lies the problem. When you are a con artist, the last thing you want is clarity. What you really want is to obfuscate the truth and convince people of those things that are fake. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're trying to convince people of, of falsehoods, and, and they're doing a hell of a job of, of doing just that. And, and, and so we have a really bad situation right now where we are absolutely clueless as to who is coming into the country and what is the Biden administration doing. They're doing everything in their power to make certain that the American people are kept in the dark. And where are the journalists, so-called, who are supposed to, supposed to, um, make the powerful accountable. The average American doesn't get to sit in the White House briefing room and question the president or, or members of the president's staff or members of the cabinet or his press secretary. That's the job of the journalists. That's why the founding fathers said that the First Amendment was so important and it included freedom of press, the idea that we would make our government accountable if, in fact, this is truly a government of the people. That's what the term democracy really relates to. And I know there are conservatives who go nuts, and they say, no, this isn't a democracy, this is a republic, and they stamp their feet and they have a hissy fit. It does damage when you do that. Specifically, we certainly have a republican form of democracy, but nevertheless it's a form of a democracy. And when we start to split hairs, folks, just a word of advice, and you start to insist that we not refer to American government as a democracy but a republic, you're doing what Jen Psaki is basically doing. We need to get as many Americans as possible to understand the implications of open borders and immigration anarchy. If the American people truly understood the issue, it's the one issue we can agree on. We can disagree on abortion. We can disagree on school prayer. We can disagree on the Second Amendment. But who in their right mind wants to see an invasion of America where criminals, terrorists, spies, and fugitives 
easily gain access to our country and kill innocent people, including, I might add, members of the immigrant communities that most closely resemble the aliens who are coming in, because that's where they live. If you're Asian, you're going to live within the Asian community. If you're from the Caribbean, you're going to live within the Caribbean community. If you're from Latin America, you're going to live within the Latino community uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's where you're the most comfortable. You speak the language, you're used to the customs, um, you feel most comfortable. Number two, if you're trying to hide in plain sight, you don't want to be the only black guy in an Asian community or the only Asian in a black community. You want everyone around you to look more or less the way you do so that you become that needle in the haystack. The problem is the American people have not been getting the truth for decades about immigration because there are too many people feeding at this very lucrative trough. And that's why I wrote an article about the profiteers of immigration uh, who are thrilled to death that Joe Biden has taken down America's borders and created anarchy within the immigration system. If you go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, I mentioned it before, it tells you who we're supposed to keep out. If you look at that, and if you share that with your friends and neighbors, they will quickly see what this is about. It's about keeping out criminals and terrorists and bad guys. Why, in, why would anyone in their right mind be thrilled and say, great, we're going to let in the criminals, we're going to let in the rapists. How wonderful. Are you crazy? And what started as catch and release with immigration is now catch and release across the board in crazy cities and states. Bail reform. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. A good friend of mine is Lou Barletta. I, I, um, I quoted Lou when I wrote an article recently called The Midnight Flight to the Biden Administration. Lou was on Fox News. He's the former mayor of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. He went on to become a congressman from Pennsylvania. He's now running for governor. When I testified before Congress, frequently uh, Lou was one of the participating members of Congress at some of those hearings. When he was in Hazleton as the mayor, he became the first mayor in America to enact ordinances that would uh, punish anybody who would provide a job or housing to illegal aliens, having known that the person was an illegal alien. Perfectly reasonable. He got sued. I was, one, I was actually his last witness at the federal trial. So Lou and I go back, uh, gosh, it's got to be close to 20 years. And Lou actually filmed at least one of the ghost flights arriving in Pennsylvania, and they followed the vehicles, and buses initially took the people, and then the buses went into parking lots and dispersed these people to individual cars. The same way that smuggling operations work, I know because as an immigration agent, I was assigned to every squad within the investigations branch in New York, including the anti-smuggling unit. And that's exactly how the human traffickers slash alien smugglers operate. You bring them in, you disperse them, and, and away we go. That's how the Biden administration is operating, like a human trafficking organization, I would argue, the biggest in the history of the United States, because every month it's estimated that at least 100,000 aliens are flooding into the country. We used to deal with alien smuggling groups that brought in a couple of hundred. Now we're dealing with hundreds of thousands under the color of law. It could not be more corrupt. And as I pointed out in my article, um, The Midnight Flight to the Biden Administration, uh, it, it, it's funny, I, I have a twisted brain. I guess I've spent too many years in law enforcement, so you become, <laughs> joke, I joke about it, you become brain damaged. 
but I thought of the midnight ride of Paul Revere versus the midnight flights of Joe Biden. And Paul Revere and the others jumped on the backs of their horses and fanned out to warn the colonists that an invasion was about to happen, the invasion by the Brits. Here the Biden administration is creating the invasion. It's mind-boggling. But if you look at the law, and I, I hope you read the article and then share it with everybody. That's really what I want you to do, be part of my bucket brigade of truth. But if you look at the law, the president under, again, Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182, small f, has total discretion about denying aliens entry into the United States. To paraphrase, and it's only two or three sentences, the president may, at his discretion, prevent the entry of any alien or all aliens as immigrants or non-immigrants for as long a period of time as he deems necessary if he determines that their presence would be detrimental to the interests of the United States. I can't imagine a lower bar, a lower standard, detrimental to the interests. It doesn't say that they have to be convicted felons. It doesn't say that they have to have a nuclear weapon strapped to their back. It doesn't say that they have to have a dangerous disease. All it says is that the president has the authority by issuing a proclamation to suspend the entry of any alien or all aliens. And when President Trump tried to do that with aliens from six or seven countries who could not be vetted, the news media went berserk, including, I hate to say it, Fox News, and they still say it, Muslim-majority countries, making it appear making it appear that this was about Islam, and it's not. Because if the president was attempting to keep Islamists out of the United States, he should have included Indonesia, Pakistan, and India, because they're the most populous Muslim-majority countries on the planet. They weren't on the list. It wasn't about religion. It was about an inability to vet these people. And those same countries showed up on a list prepared by Obama, by the way, to scrutiny. Because these were countries that, yes, they were Muslim-majority, that's true, but it wasn't about that. It was that they were not cooperating or they were unable to cooperate and they had a clear nexus to international terrorism, ISIS, al-Qaeda, and so forth. And so the president denied entry and, and there were near riots. The rent mobs came out. The president had total authority. I wish he was more articulate. I wish instead of tweeting, he had sat down in front of the cameras at the White House and had a conversation with the American people and said, look, People that have visas are not guaranteed entry into the United States. In fact, if I remember the statistic correctly, the last year of the Obama administration, somewhere as close to 200,000, 190,000, I believe was the number, aliens with visas or seeking entry under the visa waiver program were turned around at ports of entry because they were determined by the inspectors at ports of entry to be excludable from the United States. They may have had criminal histories. They may have had altered documents. They might not have had enough money to be able to sustain themselves here, which would then imply that they were coming to work illegally. There's a number of reasons why you can deny an alien entry even when they have visas. By the way, unlike the talking heads on TV, I'm not speaking out of my left ear or my right ear. Uh, at the beginning of my career with the old INS, Immigration and Naturalization Service, I was an immigration inspector assigned to John F. Kennedy International Airport here in New York. And I did that job for four solid years. So I can tell you from direct, firsthand knowledge and experience that this is business as usual. Business as usual. 
But what's remarkable is that there's nothing in the law that says the president has the absolute right to ignore the immigration laws that allow aliens into the country who should never be allowed in. There are ways of dealing with it. We can parole people in if they need medical treatment or if they're going to be uh, witnesses at a trial. There are times when you do need someone to come into the country, even though they're excludable, but legally you don't admit them. You parole them in because if you parole someone in, they do not have lawful status in the country. So if you want them to leave, the burden of proof falls to them. When you admit somebody, we're stuck with them. So there, there are ways of doing it. There's ways of doing it with safeguards if it becomes essential, and we do that also. But never by dropping a, 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 you know, a, a, a tent over people and saying, come one, come all. This is the circus. No, this is a disaster. It's a travesty of justice, and people are dying as a direct consequence. People are absolutely losing their lives, and tragically, some of these people are within the ethnic immigrant communities, and some of them aren't. There was a horrible murder case uh, just about a week or two ago where a young woman, um, 19 years old, working at a Burger King in Harlem, in New York, in Manhattan, working behind the register, picture the scene, this wacko comes charging in, pulls out a gun, and announces a stick-up. By the way, the district director, at least it's been reported that the new district attorney in, in New York has now stated that uh, people that pull a gun at an establishment to commit a robbery, if they get less than $1,000, will probably be charged, if I, if I got this right, because I'm still shaking my head with a misdemeanor. Armed robbery is now a misdemeanor in New York City. And we've lost our minds. This is a reign of terror created by the radical lunatics of the left. That's a misdemeanor. Why don't we call it jaywalking, for Pete's sake? So the girl initially, according to the reports, handed him $100, and he said that's not enough money. So she tried to open a second drawer in the cash register but didn't have the key, and as she was trying to force it open, this piece of trash allegedly shot her to death. Boom. She's dead, 19 years old. The guy, and it wasn't really widely reported, of course, concealed the facts. The guy was a Jamaican with a criminal history. How did he come here? God knows. What are we doing? Why was he still out on the street? What are we doing? So all of these issues so enraged me. I reached out to Lou Barletta when I saw the quote. Lou you know, immediately called me up, and he said, you know, Mike, I'm doing a news conference this week. I would like you to come out and, and you know, stand at the podium with me and, and field questions um, because people need to know that you're a person that I listen to. You've advised me when I was the mayor. You helped me when I was in Congress. And, and I'll tell you a couple stories about Lou that really uh, amaze me, which is why I endorse him. I, I think Lou is maybe the second or third person that I've ever endorsed for political office because I don't do that normally. I really don't. It's the rare politician who is worthy of an endorsement in my judgment. And when Lou ran for Congress, Either he or his the senior people, either his chief of staff or his chief counsel, would call me up and say, you know, Lou is working uh, on this problem. There's a bill coming up. Should he vote for it, or do you think he should vote against it? And sometimes my discussions with Lou or his staff would run hours, hours. And I remember one day I said to Lou directly, 
I said, so, Lou, if you vote for the bill or you vote against the bill, are you going to be pivotal? What's going to happen? Is it worth going crazy? Because he was explaining to me how he was angering people within his own party. And his answer blew me away. Because, you know, you hang out with politicians after a while. You start to understand how they think or don't think, as the case may be. And he said, Mike, he said, every vote that I cast has to be the right vote. He said, I don't care if I'm the odd man out. I don't care if it doesn't have an impact. I hope it does. But he said, if I start to make deals with the devil now, where does it end? He said, every time I vote for an immigration bill, I feel better if I can talk to you and we could work through it so I make a good decision to vote the right way for a piece of legislation. And I can't tell you how many times we had those conversations. The other thing, and you'll, you'll, you'll hear Lou talk about it, when he would drive down to Washington, uh, he'd call me up because he had a hands-free device in his car, and sometimes we could spend an hour and a half with Lou venting his anger and frustration, and it was no holds barred. You know, he's the son of a construction worker, as I am. The language was always interesting, uh, and I, I curse probably more than I should. But to me, the F word isn't really a dirty word as much as the words of hatred. The words of racism and bigotry, to me, are the true curse words. You know, bodily functions and body parts, I don't see those as dirty words. The words of hatred, to me, are truly the dirty words. And Lou would get on the phone, and he would just vent. And, and I really came to know him quite well by those lengthy conversations. Either he's going back to Washington, or he was coming out of Washington, and we'd be on the phone for an hour and a half, two hours. And we had so many of those conversations. And the fact that he stood up and said, I'm going to try to push back against the ghost flights, and I'm running for governor. And I said, you know, and he's getting vilified. Oh, you're a xenophobe. You're a racist. Now, I've been hearing this forever. There's nothing xenophobic about keeping criminals out of your country. There's nothing xenophobic about keeping terrorists or spies out of your country. There's nothing xenophobic about allowing or about trying to block foreign workers from displacing American workers. It's called patriotism. Patriotism is not xenophobic. And if you look at America, my gosh, we're the most ethnically and racially diverse country on the planet. So that's the, the usual nonsense, the, the bullying and the name-calling and all this other garbage. And, and, you know, we were talking, and I said, Lou, one of the problems we have, for example, are sanctuary states and giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. I don't know of a single terror attack that has been successful in, in the world involving airplanes since 9-11, but almost every terrorist attack involves, involves a motor vehicle, either as a way of getting the terrorist to the location where the attack is done, using a motor vehicle like the truck that was used to bomb the Trade Center in 93 carrying a, a weapon, or the motor vehicle itself becomes a weapon where it's used to run people down. And we've seen that in Europe. We've seen it everywhere. And by the way, think about this. All these states that are giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens like Pennsylvania, New York, California, Illinois, when you go to the center of most cities, what do you see? What do you see? You see barricades that have been erected to block car bombs and truck bombs. Grates that pop out of the pavement and shred tires and flower pots that are big, round, or squared, you know, monstrosities. 
they're there to stop car bombs and truck bombs. So on the one hand, we're concerned about motor vehicles being used in a terror attack, but on the other hand, corrupt politicians, to give the redundancy in that term, corrupt politician, are happy to give licenses to people who can't prove who the hell they are. And the 9-11 Commission warned about that. The 9-11 Commission made note of the fact that the 19 hijackers of 9-11 used more than 300 false identities or variations of false identities in order to embed themselves, hide themselves in plain sight as they went about their deadly preparations, including getting multiple driver's licenses from multiple states. And Lou said to me, he said, Mike, there's no way that I would allow that to continue. I would do everything I could to stop providing driver's licenses to people uh, in Pennsylvania if I become the governor. That alone is huge. This is a betrayal of America and Americans that blows my mind. We go through hell to get on an airplane, don't we? You can almost combine airport security with your annual physical. We're x-rayed, we're poked, we're prodded, we're searched. We've seen these horror shows, five-year-old child taken from the parent and strip searched because the kid ran back to grandma for a last kiss. Oh, that's suspicious activity. Yes, that five-year-old is going to overpower the flight crew and take control of the airplane. Obviously, that five-year-old must be a terrorist. Insanity. But we're putting car keys and licenses in the hands of people who may be criminals or terrorists. And no one says a word. Like sheep, we just say, oh, well, I guess that's the way it is. What are you going to do? Folks, enough is enough. We need to make the politicians accountable. They work for us. We don't work for them, but they think that they are our bosses. They're going to push us around as long as we permit it. My father, may rest in peace. Tragically, I lost my parents when I was back in college more than a half century ago, but I, I still stand on their shoulders. I, I, I hope I'm one-third the parent to my kids that my parents were to me. The way they raised me enabled me to be who I am and, and, and where I've been. And my mother only had a fourth-grade education. My dad had an eighth-grade education. He was a tradesman, which to me is far more valuable than most college degrees, unless you get a real education and you study something like engineering. Two of my kids, in fact, are engineers. That was my original goal. I probably would have been an engineer if my parents hadn't died when they did. Are you going to be a doctor? Are you going to be an accountant? But, but most of these degrees aren't worth wrapping dead fish in as far as I'm concerned. But my parents were very, very smart. There's a world of difference between being educated and being smart. My mom came here by herself as a 13-year-old, supported herself as she lived in a rooming house. Imagine being 13. 13. You have, you have people who are 43 that are children in America today. My mother came here. She said Americans are children because of her life experience. Her mother could not get out of Poland. I was named for her. My mother's mother died in the Holocaust. We're Jewish. My mother lived by herself in a rooming house, worked in a sweatshop making umbrellas for $3 a week so she could feed herself. She never took a penny from anybody. But because of her sharp intellect, by the time she was in her mid-20s, she became the chief buyer of a dress company that during the Depression made so much money that her boss became a millionaire, became one of Roosevelt's dollar-a-year men who went to the White House regularly to advise the president on how to get the economy out of the Depression 
and he frequently pointed to my mom as the reason he was so successful. This young woman in her mid-20s with a fourth-grade education, brilliant woman who had no opportunities. So when I hear this crap about critical race theory and white privilege, yes, my mother was overflowing with white privilege. What my parents have and what I have is the privilege to be an American, a privilege that the radical left lunatics are trying to eradicate. They are wrecking the country. And I am a lifelong registered Democrat. I'm not being political. I'm just being observant. I'm looking at what is happening, what is not happening, and the conclusions are impossible to ignore. A country that can't defend its borders cannot defend itself. Borders are our first and last line of defense. And if you think of the Old West movies and the settlers come under attack, what do they do? What's the first thing they do if there's a wagon train? And we use that expression to this very day, don't we? Circle the wagons. It doesn't mean we're making a merry-go-round, circle the wagons. It means that you're going to use the wagons to create a secure perimeter to protect the people inside the perimeter. If you go to a fort, they erect tall walls for what purpose? To protect the soldiers inside those walls. If you go to the White House, they have tall fencing. Why? To protect the White House. If you go to a baseball stadium, you don't just walk across the field. You walk through gates. You buy a ticket. You probably go through a metal detector with all the insanity of the violence today. And then you take your seat, but you don't go trampling across the field. There are rules, there are regulations, there are fences, and there are gates. Just like we have ports of entry that are supposed to be the way that people enter the United States. I I started out a long time ago saying that the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. It's appropriate for someone seeking to visit with you to knock on the door, ring the bell, you look through a peephole, that's why we have peepholes, that's why we have door knockers or or doorbells or some signaling device. And that's why knock-knock jokes are universally accepted and understood around the world. It's anticipated that when someone wants to come in, they knock on your door and you say, who's there? And how many knock-knock jokes have there been? Who's there, right? Why? Because traditionally, legally, it is expected that a visitor will let you know that they're there and ask permission to enter. If you don't do that, you're committing a crime, breaking and entering or burglary, perhaps. I would argue that the difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. We're happy when people knock on the door and want to stop by for a cup of coffee and conversation, but we're not so happy when people come through the bedroom window at 3 o'clock in the morning while we're sleeping. That's the point. But, of course, Lou has made it very clear. He's not, you know, mincing words, which is what's so terrific about him. I'm going to support immigration law enforcement. I'm going to support regular law enforcement. We have to create a safe community. If we can't guarantee the safety of the people who live in my state, what's the point to anything I do? You would think that that's a principle that all politicians would understand and adhere to. So anyway, I was not able to accept Lou's gracious invitation. Um, Concerns about COVID, my wife and kids were concerned. They said, you know, with everything going on, the epidemic is is going full blast. Perhaps 
you know, you could do this in a couple of weeks, but for now, try to work something out. So I suggested to Lou's uh, campaign manager that I would like to be able to perhaps have a conversation with Lou that we could videotape and he could use as part of his campaign. So we did. And if you go to my announcement for today's program, it's, it's not as a link, but if you'll notice, there's an HTTPS um, address in, in the email. Just copy that and paste it into your browser, and you'll be able to see the video. It runs roughly 30 minutes. Uh, we, we had a wonderful conversation. As I say, Lou is an old friend. Um, and I, it will give you an idea about what he's up against. We need to get people to understand the issues, because if people really understood the issues, folks, uh, my gosh, it's insane that anybody could look at the situation and say, oh, yes, we don't need borders, we don't need immigration laws, and it's wonderful if criminals uh, and anybody else who wants to come here comes here. This isn't compassion. This is insanity. It's an act of national suicide. We've never seen more drugs flooding into America than we have right now. And who's sending us the drugs? The enemies of America. China, Iran, um, fentanyl deaths are at catastrophically historical levels. China is the primary source country for fentanyl and the precursor chemicals. What are we doing? And if this government was really legitimate, every 15 minutes they'd be running a commercial on TV warning about fentanyl, warning about fake drugs that look like a real drug, but they really aren't. Nothing. There have been a couple commercials here and there on the city level. Why aren't the feds, why isn't the Obama administration out there beating a drum and saying, look, children are dying? Do before and afters of people who became hooked on drugs and say this person had a successful life as a school teacher, and, and, and this is where that person is today. The facts are so compelling. They did it with cigarettes. How many people did they interview who had their larynxes removed and they had to use an artificial voice box to be heard? Or they showed the scars of heart surgery or lung surgery or, or whatever. Don't smoke. Very effective. When I was a kid, and I'm living in the same house that I grew up in. I've been in this house uh, since I was 11. No place will ever be as much like home for me. Uh, my old room is now my office, and it's a room that some of my children slept in. Um, but I remember as a kid sweeping the sidewalk because there were so many cigarette butts everywhere. People would walk by, they were smoking, and they'd throw their cigarette butts on the ground. And I used to hose down the driveway and, you know, hose down and, and sweep the sidewalk back when I was a kid to help my parents take care of the house. I was always happy to help them out. We had a warm, wonderful relationship. I can't remember the last time that I had to get rid of a cigarette butt on the sidewalk. Why? Because people don't smoke the way they used to. You used to buy a car that was always an ashtray and a cigarette lighter in the car. When was the last time you bought a car that has a cigarette lighter? Advertising campaigns can be very effective. Why then <clears throat> is our government that's supposedly looking out for us with the COVID vaccines, right? Why is it that we see no commercials from the federal government to get people to stop using drugs, to warn them that some drugs could be counterfeit and deadly? Where is that effort being made to protect people when last year at least 100,000 people, 100,000 people died of 
uh, fentanyl overdoses, opiate overdoses, and how many more people are killed by criminals who are trying to feed the habit and they commit violent crimes to get their hands on drugs, and more people who are killed because of turf battles, because of rival drug gangs. The carnage is unbelievable. It's believed that the majority of violent crimes, one way or another, involves narcotics. And what do you hear from the federal government about the dangers? Crickets. Crickets. Too much money. Look at the banks that are moving billions and billions of dollars in drug money and profiting from it. They are the silent partner. Drug money is washing through Wall Street. Drug money is washing through the banking system. Drug money is washing through real estate, high-end auto sales, expensive jewelry, all involve drug money. Lots of people feeding at the trough. God knows, maybe the undertakers are also happy because certainly they have no shortage of business these days either. So it's important that we get the politicians to understand that we're not the idiots that they've been playing us for, because they've been playing us for idiots. And then we come to this terror attack that took place in Texas. And this is really a horror show. Within minutes after the hostage situation ended at the synagogue, if you remember, the head of the FBI came out and said two things that blew me away. He was acting alone, and there was nothing involving the Jewish community to see here. How do you know he was acting alone? And Joe Biden came out and said he bought the gun on the street. President of the United States, immediately, he bought the gun on the street. Really? Uh, look, I've done investigations. I was a federal agent for 26 of my 30 years with the government, four years as an inspector, 26 years as a special agent. Uh, 15 of my years, I was assigned to DEA intelligence and then the drug task force. I had desks at the FBI, DEA, ATF, and elsewhere. I worked with foreign governments. Again, I'm not speaking out of conjecture, folks. I'm enraged when I hear people on TV running their mouths in front of the cameras with not one minute of real-world experience, just conjecture. They have a brain fart, and they think they have all the damn answers, and people foolishly think it must be true, because after all, how else do they get in front of the TV camera? How else indeed? How do you make a determination that this guy was acting alone, the body was still warm? How do you make the presumption that this had nothing to do with the Jewish community when the guy took hostages inside of a synagogue? And if you look at the picture of the synagogue, there was this huge Jewish star, the Star of David on the side of the building. So let's think about this, the brilliance of the FBI. Nothing to see here, folks. This couldn't possibly be anti-Semitism. He only attacked the synagogue during prayer services, and the building had a big Jewish star on it. No, he probably didn't like people who had brown eyes because there was at least one person. Are you serious? And if you want to know if he acted with other people, you have to go back and look at phone records and look at social media and, and get a handle on this. And how did this guy enter the country? He entered under the visa waiver program, something I've been railing about forever. They want to take immigration out of the equation. They want to take all these possibilities out of the equation. And then the Brits come along and blow them out of the water because immediately the Brits said that this was a terrorist attack 
and it was an attack, it was an anti-Semitic terrorist attack. The Brits made that came to that conclusion, and they said, "Oh, by the way, we just arrested two of the, the, this guy's brothers or children, it was family members that were arrested, as possibly helping him to do what he did." What? Acted alone, really, in a synagogue? Uh huh. Well, <laughs> Breitbart, this is going to blow your mind. I have to write about this. But here's a sneak preview. Breitbart's headline, and this was written on uh, yesterday, January 20th, effing Jews, last words of hostage taker deemed not targeting the Jews by the FBI. The guy is in there screaming, effing Jews, and they taped conversations where he said that he wanted to kill lots of Jews, but this has nothing to do with anti-Semitism. Wow. Just let the enormity of that sink in. So the guy came here from England, probably to carry out a terror attack. As they looked at things, they went through, so they went through his, his searches, and he was looking to see where to get a gun and, and which synagogue would be the best target. He was looking at a synagogue in Manhattan, actually. But he acted alone. Again, how do you make the determination before you do due diligence, before you do an investigation? Somebody dies, the, the coroner or, or the pathologist doesn't generally say, well, he died because he stopped breathing. Usually it takes weeks to get back toxicology and so forth, whether there are drugs in the system. There's a whole bunch of reasons why someone stops breathing. But the FBI immediately came out there. Nothing to see here, folks. Keep moving. The FBI, the same people, well, I'm not going to get into it, but you know what I'm thinking. And, and so if you read the Breitbart article, it starts out saying, and yet more evidence is proving of initial FBI claim that Malik Faisal Akram, that's the, this bum's name, decision to take worshippers at a synagogue hostage at gunpoint was not specifically targeting the Jewish community. A leaked tape revealed the Islamist terrorist ranting in his family, to his family about the effing Jews hours before he was shot. And it goes on. Read the article. It, it, it's insane. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. By the way, the FBI took credit for freeing the hostages. It turns out that three of the four escaped when the rabbi, who had taken some training in how to deal with the situations, threw a chair at this bum. And while he was, you know, cow- cowering from the chair headed his way, they ran out a back door. So they basically rescued themselves. Oops. Oops. But the Justice Department is opening up a special office specifically to look at American extremists. Don't bother looking at foreign extremists. Just focus on Americans. Probably the extremists that are concerned about the garbage that the schools are brainwashing their children with. How dare you stand up for your children? How dare you, you privileged Americans? It's incredible. How much more of this garbage is going to continue before the Americans wake up and vote these pieces of trash out of office? This is a dangerous game. We are weakening ourselves in front of a a world probably stunned. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. Don't let it get swept away so we forget about it. 5,000 hardened terrorists were released by Joe Biden. Congratulations, Joe. Great work. First time America has ever suffered that kind of defeat in the history of this great nation. First time. It was a historic screw-up, unless Joe Biden did it to us purposely, 
Um, I mean, you want to talk about challenging fitness for office? A cop fires around when they shouldn't, and they're on trial, they're put in jail. All sorts of things happen. Americans were left stuck in Afghanistan. Some of them are probably dead now, but the media won't report on that. Because, you know, their darling, Joe Biden, shuffled off to bed and couldn't figure out what to do or acted malevolently. There's only two possibilities. Was this intentional or unintentional? Those are my two questions, very simple questions. Was this done on purpose or because you're incompetent? One or the other. Left behind billions of dollars of some of the best military hardware that you could find in the world. Who has them now? Our enemies. Who did that? Joe Biden. They want to kill us. And what do we do? Open up our borders. And I want you to focus on the number 19. Why 19? Because on 9-11, 19 hijackers killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. And the death count from 9-11 continues to this day. And that is why billions of dollars were appropriated to continue to treat people who were suffering horrific diseases because they were exposed to the toxins when the towers collapsed and when the Pentagon was attacked. 19 hijackers. Carnage. And what are we doing now? We have hundreds of thousands of people running around the country being dispersed in ghost lights that Lou Barletta warned us about. He's the modern-day Paul Revere, I guess you could say. Incredible. And it's not just the Mexican border, as I spoke about in my article and as I've mentioned here many times. Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And if you look at Josh Hawley, great senator, demanding of Homeland Security to know why they haven't released the statistics for people who have failed to depart the United States when they were supposed to. Langford and Howley doing the right thing. Um, we have to wake up, folks. We have to be supportive of the politicians that are standing up for us. And we should be personally offended when anybody who tries to defend America is accused of bigotry or xenophobia when all they're asking is that we enforce the immigration laws that have been on the books for decades and are designed to protect national security, public safety, public health, and the jobs and wages of American workers. How in the world is that wrong? How in the world indeed? And as I mentioned previously, there was an article not long ago where, I'll read you the headline, it was amazing, Um, the Justice Department issued a press release December 20th, last year, Bowling Green man arrested on multiple terrorism charges. The guy was involved with ISIS, but it turns out he's a dual national. But rather than say dual national, which means he was an alien possibly, and there's only two ways to be a dual national, either you come to America as a foreign national, you go through the process, become an American citizen through the immigration system, And now you can be a dual national. We allow people to continue with their prior citizenship, so they now have two passports. And when an alien naturalizes, they can change their name, and only the new name is reflected in their U.S. passport. So many terrorists, if you read through the indictments and all the information, are told by their overseas handlers, don't do anything to you become an American, get your U.S. passport, and then we will, you know, set you up, you'll come here for training, or we'll tell you where to go and what to do. But the first thing is they tell them, get your citizenship in the United States. When bin Laden's compound was raided 
among the items that were removed during the raid was a copy of the 9-11 Commission report, which I found interesting. You know, I provided testimony to the Commission and an application for U.S. citizenship. They understood the value of U.S. citizenship. Apparently, the imbeciles running our country, like Joe Biden, have no clue about the importance of U.S. citizenship. So they bowling green man. So it kind of obfuscates that this guy was actually possibly an alien. The other way that you could be a dual national if you don't come here and, and, and legally immigrate is if you're born in the United States to a mother or, or you have a father who is um, a citizen of another country. So you're an American by virtue of being born here, and you acquire citizenship from your parents' country because they're citizens of another country. So that's the only two ways. So this may or may not have an immigration element, except we do need to consider that there are people who would come to America to have children, perhaps to harm us, because they're that committed. There was a case involving a Russian couple that were married. They had a child here, and apparently the marriage was only an arranged marriage so that they had a good cover story. And in furtherance of the cover story, they went and had a child. Crazy things happen. Not everyone sees things the way you or I do, okay? So the importance of identifying that this person was an alien is if you can show that he lied on his application for the visa, lied on his application for citizenship, you can charge him with that crime, but more importantly, you can strip him of citizenship so if and when he ever gets out of jail, we can deport him. I don't want a terrorist wandering around our country, even if it's 30 years from now. You have a guy that's 30 years old, he goes to jail for 30 years, he comes out, he's 60, certainly young enough to go out and kill people. You're a terrorist. We can strip you of your citizenship. We ought to be able to remove you from our midst to protect ourselves. What a novel idea. Well, that was pretty bad, Bowling Green Man. I thought I'd seen it all. Wrong again. January 18, 2022. Justice Department issues a press release. You're going to love this one, folks. Listen carefully. U.S. citizen charged with conspiring to provide electronic equipment and technology to the government of Iran. Defendant allegedly conspired to illegally export U.S. goods and technology without the required licenses. And it goes on and says that he was working with an organization that's linked to Hezbollah and terrorism, and he was giving them the technology. And this is at a time when Iran is racing to get nuclear weapons. U.S. citizen, and you wonder what kind of an American would do that. Guess what, folks? Yep, he's a dual national. Here we go again. So now it wasn't even like Bowling Green, man. U.S. citizen. So if you read the headline, you think, wow, what a traitor. And then first paragraph says a dual Iranian U.S. citizen was arrested Friday in Chicago on criminal charges related to his alleged conspiracy to illegally export U.S. goods, technology, and services to end users in Iran, including the government of Iran in violation of the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, or IEEPA. According to court documents, Kambiz Alter Kashani, 44, conspired to illegally export goods and technology to the Central Bank of Iran, which the United States government recognizes as an agency of the government of Iran. U.S. citizen. Actually, a dual national. Then they needed to flesh out what made him a dual national. 
was he born in America to Iranian parents? Or did he come here and become an American citizen? Because if he did, it's likely that there were reasons to be able to find that he lied on his application for citizenship. And this is a very sophisticated plan. If you, if you read the press release, it's amazing. This is a very sophisticated plot. And obviously, being an American citizen facilitated his uh, skullduggery aimed at aiding and abetting Iran, our enemy. You know, how many times do they have to chant death to America before we take it seriously? Why then was the Justice Department so compelled to say that this guy was a U.S. citizen and ignore the fact that, in fact, he was a dual national who might be subject to deportation if he's convicted and goes to jail? When he comes out, we can get rid of this guy, which would be wonderful to protect America and Americans. None is so blind as he who will not see. We have an office that has been opened at DOJ to investigate American citizens. Biden wants to hire tens of thousands of IRS agents and auditors to target Americans who might cheat on their taxes. And I don't advocate anybody cheating on anything. As an agent, I was always looking for people who lied on official documents. It's a felony. But to go after Americans the way they are and ignore the threats being posed by foreign nationals, is this incompetence or malfeasance? I'll let you decide. Abraham Lincoln was right when he said that this government of ours was supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. How much more evidence do we have to see that nothing, at least under this administration, nothing could be further from the truth? It is vital for our survival, the survival of our country, and the future and well-being of our children and our grandchildren that we sit down with our neighbors, exercise that First Amendment right that this government would like to strip from us. It's interesting that they want to create a police state to crack down on Americans while turning criminal aliens loose, while turning violent felons loose across the country. Never mind the carnage. Who cares about that? It's a wrecking ball, and they're trying to wreck our society and a small percentage are having a very big impact. In New York, they just removed the statue of Teddy Roosevelt in front of the, US, the, uh, the Museum of Natural History. It was one of those places I used to go to frequently, not just for school assignments, but because I just loved the place. They had the dinosaur exhibits and exhibits about America's history, and next door was the planetarium. And as an old astronomy buff, um, that planetarium was a magical place. So they removed the statue of Teddy Roosevelt, and according to a survey that was published by Fox News, 89% of New Yorkers said that they did not want the statue removed. 11% did. How in the world do 11% force an issue that's rejected by 89%? This is supposed to be a democracy. We need to have conversations with our folks, with our neighbors, rather, folks. Um, the facts, common sense, morality, and the laws are all on our side. The people who disagree with us are actually our allies, if only we can win them over. And I assure you we can. Get to work, folks. We've got a lot to do. Remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. I thank you for joining me. I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay warm, stay well, and stay safe. See you next week.